I'm just really excited about what the Lord is doing um, in our church family, but I'm also excited about what the Lord is doing with women globally. And I feel like as women come together that the Lord is bringing us into a, a cluster of productivity and a, a sense of community um, because he's raising women up in the hour that we are in. Um, I feel like we're the secret weapon of God. As the Bible says, we are like a battle axe in the hand of the Lord. And I think that yesterday it was just fun to be together. Um, and even as we were praying just now, I just felt um, for you as women, I just felt the strength of the Lord lingering over you. And I know for women, there's a lot of hats that we play, you know, for those of us who are mothers, it's like your Uber driver, your teacher, your bum cleaner, your, you know, there's so many different tasks that we fulfill, some which, you know, have a lot of praise to it and some of which we never get praise for. Um, and I just want to just say, you know, that the Lord, the Bible says they, that we, I keep hearing an old school song, um, uh, strength will come as you wait upon the Lord, as you wait upon the Lord. And this whole thing about the Lord renewing you as you wait upon as you wait upon him so I pray this morning for women uh, in our church community that you would find strength in the Lord um, as you wait upon the Lord but this morning, super excited to bring the word to you this morning. Um, every Mother's Day, I ask my daughter, well, actually, my daughter and my son, you know how, like, teachers will have little kids create, like, cards, and they send them home, and, you know, you have a card that says, oh, mom, you're amazing, you're special, you know, that type of thing. So that was a season of our life we were getting that. Now that our kids are older, Shiloh and I will have a conversation about mother jokes, you know, you have dad jokes. Shiloh and I will talk about a mother joke and she'll often find me a really, really good joke and she'll bring it to me and I'll bring it to you on a Mother's Day morning. Now this morning she was giving me jokes that were awful, <laughs> horrible. In fact, I was like, this is all you got. And they, in fact, they were quite depressing. I was like, are women saying this globally? Like they hate their job, their kids run them ragged. Like I was like, what is happening? And then she found a statement that she laughed at and she was like, this is, this is women, this is moms. You know, and I was like, okay, what is that? And she, she sent it to me, she texted it to me. You know how we are now with kids, they don't talk to you, but they text it and they send it. Um, she said, mom, this is it. She said, you know, as women, this, this is the statement, or as moms, one minute you are young and cool, maybe even a little dangerous. And the next moment, you're reading Amazon reviews about birdseed. So when she said it, she said it, and she laughed. And I was like, that's mean. I was like, I still think I'm young and cool. How many people still think they're young and cool? Just celebrated my 42nd birthday. And I'm not on Amazon. First of all, I don't buy birdseed. Second of all, we're not there creeping random Amazon reviews. But I wanted to share that with you this morning. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. God, your word, your word says your word is like a hammer. Father, I pray this morning that as we receive your word, Father, may it change our lives. Father, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Father, awaken us to hear what you're saying in this hour. Father, I pray that your word will not fall to deaf ears. But Father, I ask for a stirring in the atmosphere in here. Father, I call us to attention right now so that we may receive what it is that you're saying and we can move into what you're doing in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I, I have... I had a great difficulty preparing this message um, because I am not as much a pastor preacher. I'm probably more prophet prophetic and I get messages or I get little things and little tidbits of information. In fact, the Lord has been downloading the tidbits of what I'm going to share to you today for the last probably couple of months um, as I've been here, but I've also been on the road and I would kind of voice memo them, jot them down, transfer them to a document um, and not really try, not really understanding exactly what the Lord was saying to me. In fact, I said to my husband, why don't we do a panel this Mother's Day? Why don't I get somebody else to preach? Because I was struggling to bring together what I was perceiving in the spirit and I just felt like it would just be like Bleh. and I was like God I don't want to deliver something that doesn't have impact but the Lord was bringing these thoughts together um, in imagery and I, um, I don't know about you but as recent I have seen in this um, season I'm quite like I love fashion I love different things how many people have noticed even the fashion in this season is quite bright 
bright colors. People are wearing things that in another season would be deemed gaudy. Like we'd be like, what girl, where did you get that at a thrift store? Like that's awful. That's the eighties or the seventies. In fact, my daughter keeps talking to me about, Oh mom, the eighties and the nineties. I'm like, well, you weren't even born. Like, what are you talking about the eighties and the nineties? But she and I, we've just been on this journey of like, Oh, here are the colors, here are the fashion. Here's what I'm seeing. Even in the natural, I'm seeing flowers bloom. I'm seeing the reds, the, the, the greens. I'm seeing the flourishing flowers. I was in the UK not last week, I don't remember, a week and a half ago, and I was in London, and um, I was walking in South Kensington, for those of you who know London, it's like a really, really nice area, ritzy area, and all I was seeing was lush flowers, pink, bright. In fact, the, ca- the cabbies there and the Uber drivers were telling me, this is really unusual for London that you would go, I was there for an entire week, and it had not rained. How many people know that London, it rain, it may rain four times a day. People say, bring an umbrella when you're in London because you just don't know when the season is going to change. But I had gone an entire week and it was bright, bright, bright colors. And I started to just connect the dots in the spirit. And the Lord began to talk to me about the season that we're in right now. And the Lord, and then I woke up one morning with a picture, (laughs) Karen Andrew will will appreciate this. For those of you who are athletic, or those of you who go to the gym but you're not quite athletic, you may understand this. But I saw a picture of someone doing a, I think it's called a squat jump, where they squatted and they leaped forward. And the Spirit of the Lord said this to me. He said, we are in a season that we are springing forward as the body of Christ. We are in a season where the blooming and the fullness of what God is doing in the kingdom of God is about to take massive momentum and spring forward. And I said to the Lord, okay, that's great and all. And I was like, God, talk to me in your word. And the Lord brought me to Proverbs eleven twenty eight in the Passion. And it says this, keep trusting in your riches and down you will go. But the lovers of God rise up like flowers in the spring. And that those that love the Lord, that this is a season where he's going to cause you to flourish and to rise up like flowers in the season that we're in, which is spring. And then the Lord brought me to another passage of scripture in Psalm 127, verse 1 to 2. It says this in the Passion, if God's grace doesn't help the builders, they labor in vain to build a house. If God's mercy doesn't protect the city, all the sentries, those are all the watchmen, the guards, will circle it in vain. We are in a season where the grace of God and the mercy of God is necessary in the building process and the flourishing process that God has for his church. And the kingdom of God, it's interesting. Um, I was traveling and I was in the UK, I was in some meetings and I was meeting, um, I was in a dinner, a donor dinner thing, and I was talking to a guy um, that oversees, um, oversees a ministry pretty large ministry. His, his responsibility is over Northern Africa and the Middle East. And he was telling me about what God was doing in the nations of the earth, particularly the nations in Northern Africa and the Middle East. So how many people know the news says one thing, but God says another thing. And God is on the move. I'm talking about everywhere and anywhere you go right now. If you have eyes to see it, we know that our King is on the move. Um, in fact, my daughter, my daughter would laugh and tell me, mom, Aslan's on the move, Aslan's on the move. And I'm like, yeah. Um, so there's a lot going on there. I, I don't know how many people would agree that you're seeing momentum right now, opportunities, experiences. Like I feel like an open door of opportunity has presented for God's kids. Like jobs are opening up. There's like momentum in the spirit to do things. It literally feels like if you make a wise decision, God will back you. We're in that season right now. But the scripture says this in Proverbs 10 verse 5. Know the importance of the season you're in and a wise son you will be. But a waste, but what a waste when an incompetent son sleeps through the day of opportunity. If you know the season that you're in, it is important to know, to discern accurately the season that you're in, and you will be a wise son. But the scripture says, what a waste when an incompetent son sleeps through his day of opportunity. God doesn't want us to be incompetent about the days that we're in. 
In fact, this is a season, and you know, uh, I, I said to somebody after first service, I feel like one of my major responsibilities is to provoke the body of Christ to come into the fullness of what God has. So this morning, my message is not as much a Mother's Day message, but is a, a provocation to say, why don't we come up higher and walk through the doors that the Lord is opening right now? So we don't want to be incompetent about what the Lord, what needs to happen right now in these days. And we have a core anchoring scripture that I feel like God is always bringing us back around. I'm going to read it and it's out of Matthew 6, 25. It says this, this is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. Turn to someone and say, don't worry about your life. Oh, you, some of you said it like I said it. Don't worry about your life. There you go. Thank you. For all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to life than a meal? All you foodies out there, isn't there more to life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at all the birds. Don't you think they worry about, don't you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap, store food, yet your heavenly father provides for each of them with food. Aren't you more valuable to your father than they? Ooh, I just saw something in that. This, this is a time and a season that we have got to shed all levels of insecurity as the body of Christ. This is a time and season when insecurity, the oh, maybe, it's, maybe it's the enemy that wants to wind us up into things to say, well, you don't have it. You're not qualified for it. Like, no, 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 that's not you. It's them. You can't do it. Don't you know what family you came for? What, like, what do you th- who do you think you're trying to be? But the value that God places on you needs to be at the forefront of your inner narrative. Where were we? You're valuable. So which of you worry uh, by worrying would add anything into your life? Why would you worry about your clothing? Even Solomon in all his splendor was robed in beauty more than one of these. So if God has clothed the meadows with hay, which is here for a short season, dried up and burned, won't he provide your your view the clothing you need, even though you live with such little faith. Ooh, I don't like that one. I don't like that one. Won't he provide for you the clothing that you need, even though you live with little faith? So even though your faith is little, won't he still provide? So then forsake your worries, throw them down. What would you say? Would you, why would you say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For that is what the unbeliever chases after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know that what the things that your body requires? So above all, here's where I'm going to, above all, constantly chase the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all less, all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. I want to zero in on that scripture. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom constantly chase. In fact, the scripture says unbelievers chase after their concerns about what they're going to eat, drink, sleep, wear, and do. But the believer constantly pursues the realm of the kingdom. Now that scripture can fall to deaf ears if you don't understand the realm of the kingdom. Because what happens when you don't understand the realm of the kingdom, you chase after the things that the unbeliever chases after. And today I want to, I've been thinking about, oh my gosh, the Lord has been rocking me about the issues of the kingdom in this day and age. He's been talking to me about the atmosphere of the kingdom of God versus the atmosphere of the culture. The normal of the culture versus the normal of the kingdom. And the problem that the Lord has been bringing and presenting to me is that there are many in the body of Christ that don't know the distance, so they de- different, so they default to the cultural norm and they become like almost like zombies in a kingdom that is not like this world. So they begin to just do things like everybody else. It's like, this is how we do. We're just going to do it like everybody a little bit. Because... We're in a time where all other kingdoms are confused. But the kingdom of our God stands firm and secure. So what does that mean? That means we, have be- we need to become well acquainted with the kingdom of God in this hour. There's a Bible teacher called Miles Monroe. Did everybody, anybody ever heard of him? Late Bible teacher, died tragically in a plane crash at years ago. And one of the things that he said, he did a 
tremendous job at teaching on the kingdom. One of the things that he said was this. He said, kingdom citizenship is a spiritual reality, but it's also a mentality. As believers, we already have the spirit of God, but we need to, listen to this word, learn the mind and the heart of God. As believers, we have the spirit of God, but we've got to learn the mind of God and have the heart of God. So here's the thing, as believers, yeah, absolutely, you love Jesus, the spirit of God dwells inside of you. In fact, the Bible says that your spirit, his spirit, mix, intertwine, there's a union that takes place when you give your life to the Lord. But there is a learning process that happens when you have to say, um, you know, when we have to renew our mind, we have to come into a place where we learn the ways of the king and we understand his heart. Now, everybody knows this, that we learn the ways of a king by reading the word of God. So we understand, we can abide and search after and settle into his understanding versus our understanding. And the issue with understanding the heart of God is an issue of an encounter with God. So you can have the understanding of his ways based on his word, but never have the heart of God. What does that look like? Somebody who's got great theology and, and, but hates people. So I'm always, I'm just always kind of a little, I feel kind of ways about people who are like, God is amazing. Da, 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 da. Don't get me wrong. You have to have sound, sound theology, but then they hate their brother and their sister in Christ. The Bible says, if you don't love your brother, he does not abide in you. So that, that to me already is a contrast of the kingdom of this world versus the kingdom of our God. I didn't say this in first service, but this has everything to do with love. This is first John one, two and three and four and five, everything. What, what marvelous love that he's lavished upon us, all that in that, in those chapters, So when we're talking about what the world does versus what Christians do, let me just say this with utter, um, with utter like pastoral grace. You can't say you love God and hate your brother. No matter what they did to you, no matter what they look like, what country they're from, that does not, that is not kingdom. That is the culture of the world. So the mind that is not acquainted with God's ways settles for a cultural directed standard of a lifestyle that centers around self and idolizes personal success over kingdom advancement. So a mind that says, a mind that says, okay, I go to church, I kind of read the word, I'm not really knowing what God says on this matter and I don't really know what moves him, can literally fall into the current of culture that says it's about me, it's about me getting the bank, making bank, it's about me advancing my objective, I want to live in this kind of house, I want to drive this kind of car, I want to work at this kind of place, then I want to die and be done with it. It's a little harsh, eh? Sorry. Is that a little? Is it okay? Okay. All right. But a mind that is acquainted with the ways of God and the hearts of God will lead you to a death to self. It leads you down a different pathway. It's a narrow pathway. The, king, the, the, world, the culture of the world says, be successful, be about yourself. The culture of the kingdom says, <laughs> it says this, That true success is found in dying to yourself, picking up your cross and following him. Following him wherever he leads. Into the murky waters, adventurous murky waters of this life that God's called us to do. And that's the example of Jesus. I wrote this down because the Lord said this to me. He said this, just because you succeed at something doesn't mean you're fulfilling the call of God on your life. You can be, the Bible says, what profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose their soul? Like you will stand before the Lord and you may bring all your, your, your badges. It's like, you know, if you're in the army or the military, you have all the things that you've done. If we were to, if we were to um, dress you with all your accomplishments, but you have not followed the spirit of God into what his ways are, what his mind, what moves his heart, then you may have missed the calling. You, have missed, you may have missed the biggest purpose to which you have come into the kingdom. I'm not really impressed by success, personally. 
I am a little bit. Because success is anticipated and it it is um, expected. How do I know this? Tell me, how do I know? Because um, my little one, like they're not little, Um, my daughter or my son, my son when he was little, um, I fully anticipated that he would be a successful walker at some point, right? I did not wake up one day and be like, oh, he's going to be 23 and he's just going to be falling all over the place and that's okay. No, no. We expect that we will succeed when we put our mind to something and we grow and we learn. It's anticipated. It is expected. But there's something drastically different when you discover your kingdom calling and that meets you stewarding how God made you well. If you are amazing at tech in business and you have a mind that is like innovative and works at a quick speed, whatever, then success in the world standard would be just put that to work and become the greatest there. But if you have a mind that is business or tech savvy, all that kind of stuff, and you're in the kingdom of God, then the, the focus begins to change in, God, I give you my, I steward my gift, but I also want to know, I want to die to self, um, this old term, aggrandizement, self bigging up myself, the survival of the fittest, because I know that if I can die to that, that which I carried could be multiplied out and can affect other lives. There's a difference between you being great and you providing a platform of greatness. There's a difference. There's a, there's a, like, there's a massive difference. Oh, I'm getting stuck on this one. It's costly though. It's the murky waters called sacrificing costs. But it's the journey of becoming a true disciple of Jesus. So we want to know the ways of God through the word of God. We want to know the heart of God through encountering with his emotions. How do you feel, God, about my neighbor? Have we asked those questions? You see her every day getting her kids into the car. You see that little boy that's struggling her, slaps her in her face, and you're like, ooh. But how does God feel about them, right? So I've begun to ask questions in this season. And this is a season I'm inviting you into my private life of journeying with the Lord. I know I'm going to do great things for God. I know that God is on the move. He's opening up opportunity. But I'm concerned about all of us, including myself, being anchored in the mind and the heart of God rather than just selfish ambition. So I've been asking God, what should we be thinking about right now? Because just because a culture thinks a certain way, that doesn't mean I should be thinking that way. Everybody's looking over there. What about, what if God's asking you to look over here? What should we be pursuing? Just because everybody is pursuing this doesn't mean we as kingdom citizens should be pursuing that. What disciplines are necessary? Just because culture says it feels great to do what you feel doesn't mean that kingdom people should be doing what they feel like doing. What should we be pursuing? John 4 says this. Jesus said this to them. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. One translation says the, that, that my will, that, that the will that I have, like what I want God, like what God is asking of me to do, I want to do it and I want to be, do it in completion. I think we're in an era where the Lord, where the Lord is seeing who will stand to complete the work, who will pursue the kingdom of God and the king and the kingdom and finish it off. Because just because there's great opportunity doesn't mean it's like, oh, let's just more cars, more this, more that. Don't get me wrong. I like a fancy car. I I drive a Honda though, so it's not that fancy. But he's pushing us to finish a work. So anyways, I wanted to talk to you. I just want to lay that out there uh, because I think it's really important to understand that the kingdoms of our world are becoming really, really confused and his reign is different than the rulers of this earth. And his kingdom is centered around a king. This is not just an organization. Oh, the organization of Christians everywhere that do these things. No, no, no. Everything about what we do is centered around a person. That's why Matthew 6, 10 says this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So how many people are kingdom citizens in here? Right? So when you are a kingdom citizen, the thing that we anchor 
our movement, how we live our life, how we see the world is anchored around, first and foremost, a king that is honored in his rightful position. So this, this earlier this year, we're talking about the fear of the Lord. There is a slow drainage in culture and society of any honor and any fear given to God Almighty. So if we're not careful, we can be in the tub that is draining. So now you're starting to see Christians say and do things that were like, they be cussing. Was it Instagram, was it an Instagram, um, Instagram, like uh, somebody's like site or whatever that says Christians who, who cuss? There is one, eh? Yeah. And I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, how many Christians be And you're bold to say Christians who I'm like, come on, people. How many people know we're laughing at things that God never laughs at? We're tolerating things that God does not tolerate. The king first. Increase the fear of the Lord in my heart. And then secondly, your kingdom, your rule over the earth. That's why we sing songs to the king. God, I exalt thee because this is about you. Then we sing songs like um, uh, spirit breakout, King Jesus, you're the name we're lifting up, your glory. We sing songs that talk about the reign and the domain of bringing the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So anyways, that was just my starter. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna... I'm gonna speed up a little bit here. So the Lord has been talking to me about the atmosphere of the kingdom. How do you know you're abiding in the environment of the kingdom? Because we can have Christian culture that's not kingdom culture. There's a difference. Christian culture is great and amazing as it is. And this is how we do, you know, they sing this song. We raise our hands right here, right here, because this is where we raise our hands, right? Like there are things we do. I don't think we realize it because we've been born again for so long. That is part of our culture. That may not be kingdom. We got to look at that. Miles Monroe also said this. What God asks us to do is our cultural norm. We should do them naturally. If we are still under compulsion, we are still religious. What God asks us to do, that should be the normal Christianity. If we feel like we're pressurized to do that, then maybe we're religious. Okay. Atmosphere number one that I want to talk to you guys about real quickly here is this. It has to do with faith. It's a statement that's ringing through my spirit this year. God has brought this to me and he said, keep it at your forefront. Put it to, you know, if I was into bumper stickers, I'd probably get a bumper sticker made. I'm not really into them, but is this, anything is possible and everything is possible. That's what the Lord said to me. Anything is possible and everything is possible. Ephesians 3.20 says this, he, this is God, will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. I love this, this passage because it says he will infinitely more, do more infinitely than your greatest request. What can you ask of him? Think of your biggest ask. The Bible says he'll do way more than that. Next it says here, your most unbelievable dream. Bible says he's going to outdo that. Your wildest imagination. How many people have a wild imagination? Not enough. Your request, your dream, and your imagination. Here is where the faith that God is asking us to have grows. What are you asking for? What are you dreaming about? What are you pondering about? Because we're in a time where God needs big dreamers, big, big, a, like, big asks. Let me pronounce that properly. <laughs> in my mind, I was like, oh no. Um, <laughs> Christian cussing. <laughs> you guys are jokes. He wants wild imagination. That's why God says you got to become like the kids. I love my nephew. My little nephew, Zaire, where he always says, Antina, I'm strong. I can do better. I'm bigger. I'm big. I can run faster. 
I can do, I can do it. Because kids are like, go big or go home. But in the church and as we grow, we become a little bit tentative. I don't know, it's a little bit too much. We lose the wildness of our imagination, the unbelievable dreams and the greatest requests. Now I wanna read to you really quickly out of a story in Mark. Ooh, are you guys still here? Where are those guys? Come for a sec. I'm gonna read to you out of a story in Mark real quick. We're gonna read it real quick. I have a little, little thing. Come quickly, come quickly. So Mark 9, 14. Oh, some of you are coming from the depths of somewhere. Okay, I wanna read to you a story real quickly. And in this story, this is where Jesus meets, um, Jesus meets his disciples, some of his disciples. He meets the Pharisees. He meets, or like the scribes, religious leaders. He meets a crowd. Um, and in the crowd is a father who has a son that's demon-possessed. Okay, so um, who are you going to be? You're, you're, you're Jesus. This is Glody. Glody is Jesus. Yes, you're excited about that. You are, you're the religious, you're the, you're the religious scholars. So you're heady. You're, you're like, theology must be right. You are right theology with no power. You, my friend, you, my friend over here, you're, he represents the disciples, okay? So he's there with the, you're with the, 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 the scribes. You are the boy that is demon-possessed your whole life, okay? The whole life. And you are, you are the crowd. So you, he represents the people that are watching. Okay, so these guys are going to act it out. Hopefully they'll do well. So now they came down, this is Jesus coming down with some of the other disciples, to the other nine disciples, they noticed a large crowd of people gathering around them with the religious scholars arguing with them. So these guys are arguing. Something going on. There was, there was something going on. You're seeing people throw hands. Jesus is standing there saying, okay, Jesus, Jesus, what are you doing, Jesus? Jesus don't know what he's doing. Anyways. They're arguing. The crowd was astonished to see Jesus himself walking towards them, so they immediately ran to welcome him. The crowd was astonished. The whole crowd. Everybody went, Jesus, they were, oh, they were, the crowd, okay, right. Oh boy, this is, this is painful. Teacher, yeah. So they ran to him and we like, what are you arguing about? Jesus says this, what are you arguing about with the religious scholars, he asked them. Because Jesus noticed that they were in a heated, dis, you know, heated like discussion. A man spoke up out of the crowd and said, teacher, this is, this is the father teacher. here. Teacher. He said, I have a son possessed by a demon that makes him mute. I brought him here to you, Jesus. Oh gosh. Whenever the demon takes control of him, it knocks him down and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and his body becomes stiff as a board. I brought him to your disciples. So here's where I want to land. And I just, I just want you to see the scene of this. Because sometimes we read these stories and we're just like, we read them. No, it's pretty dramatic. I brought them to your disciples hoping they could deliver him. But the Bible says right here, but they were not strong enough. Jesus said to the crowd, Jesus got angry. He said to the crowd, why are you such a faithless people? How much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? Could you imagine Jesus saying, how long do I have to stay with you? and then put up with your lack of faith. I would have been like, oh, Jesus. Now, bring the boy to me. So they brought him to Jesus, and as soon as the demons saw him, ooh, listen, listen to what is in the storyline that we do not see. The anointing on Jesus, as, as quickly as they brought the boy to him, the demons saw him, and it threw the boy into convulsion. Because... Because when the Spirit of God comes, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. When the kingdom comes, we'll talk about that in a minute. Sorry, I got to speed this up here. It threw the boy into come out. He fell to the ground from the mouth. Um, so he, he was foaming at the mouth. Jesus turned to the father and asked, how long has your son been tormented like this? 
He said since childhood, he tries over and over to kill him by throwing him into the fire or water. But please, if you are able to do something, here's the word, anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus says something very interesting right here. He says, what do you mean if? Let me go back to it. The man says, if you're able to do something, anything, have compassion on us and help us. But Jesus said to him, what do you mean if? And then he says this, if you're able to believe, all things are possible to the believer. When he heard this, the boy's father cried out. He cried out. Okay. I got to speed this up. He cried out with tears saying, I do believe, help my little faith. Let's give these guys a hand. All right. So a couple quick things here is that in this story, here's the interesting fact. The disciples... Let's replace him. The people of God were arguing with the religious people. Meanwhile, you have a boy that's demon-possessed. His whole life wants to be free, but we're over here having arguments about theology stuff. I got a little angry about that one. I was like, what? This kid's bound in you. And that's why I think Jesus came and was like, what the heck are you arguing about? And I think he, he focused that in on probably the disciples. What are you doing? Why are we engaging over here? Second thing I love about it is, is that Jesus enters into an impossible situation because what it seemed to me was that these guys, whether their faith was there or not, later on the chapter says this kind only goes out by prayer and fasting. Scholars say prayer and intense prayer. But what happened in that situation was that the kingdom of God met an impossible situation and changed it. Whereas if Jesus didn't show up, these cats would have been over here arguing. Oh no, he can't do it. No, I don't know. Maybe the boy sinned. Maybe he deserves it. Maybe, you know, and Jesus is like, what are you guys arguing about? So I want to submit this to you. Ooh, actually, and this is the other thing I saw in the scripture. It says that they were not strong enough. We're in a time where the Lord needs us to be strong in faith. The Lord needs us to be who he equipped us to be. Nobody else is coming. He said, greater works will you do. I did it, now you do it, and you show up. And that whole question bothered me when, you know, Jesus said, he's like, what do you mean if? Like, we've got to settle the argument as to whether or not we believe in deliverance and healing. We can't have these ifs around. Because as, you, as long as you, if, if you're like, if, oh, I don't know if, I don't know if, people are going to be bound. And then he says, all things are possible to him that believes. And what's really interesting is if you go um, into the Bible app and you look at the header in the, the Amplified Translation, it literally titles this passage of scripture, all things possible. If you look in the message, it literally is entitled, I think it's like no more ifs, something like that. Like we're, we're in a new time and season citizens of the kingdom that's number one faith is needed you need to assign your faith to an impossible situation you need to look at what your requests are what you're dreaming about and what's going on in your imagination and then say hey God you can do you can outdo it assign your faith and then for some of us we need to pray God help my little faith because the kingdom of God is a limitless kingdom It's not frugal. It is limitless. It's big. It's great. It's over the top. It's outlandish. It is everything huge. And the thing that comes to battle against the kingdom is this, a poverty mindset. What is creeped into the body of Christ is a poverty mindset. A poverty mindset is not a mindset of the kingdom. It's actually, it is actually a mindset of the world. How do you know you have one? Feeling unworthy to be blessed. Often, you know, you are only able to receive based on what you feel you're worth. 
making excuses about why others are doing better and you're not. Well, they, you know, they come from wealth or, or they do this or, you know what, they got that job because their sister works in HR or whatever. Poverty, fear of success and abundance. That comes from bad theology. Passivity. We see that in the parable of the talents where two went and multiplied it. One, because of fear, just kind of was like, I don't want to, I'm not really going to do anything of it. Passivity kills the momentum of the kingdom. Passivity happens where you either think somebody else is going to do it or you're just kind of not really big on life. But as kingdom people, we have to be big on life. Small vision. If your only vision is to pay bills, then that's a poverty mindset. This is a mindset only focusing on getting needs met instead of leaving a legacy. Because if you, if you believe that God of the universe and you begin to think big, dream big, and have a wild imagination, resources will be attracted to you. Because I believe God backs any really wise decision that's rooted in him. I want you to declare this. I declare and decree that all things are possible to them that believe. Really quickly here, number two is a kingdom atmosphere of freedom. How many people know it just seems to me right now that there are way more demonized people around than ever? There, and I blame some of it on the pandemic um, some of it is just the course, the wear and tear of a sin culture. But here's the, the beautiful thing about this, is that as a believer that carries Christ, we have the answer to that. And the Bible says this in Matthew 12, 28, but if it is by the spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. What does that mean? That means if you're functioning in the kingdom and you release the kingdom, the evidence of that is that you, 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 the, you, demons are cast out. I think as kingdom citizens, we like our, um, it's like, the, it's like you, you're a part of the uh, club at the, um, the, the yacht club. We like our little citizen card. We go in. They have towel service. They have all these things. Here's your glass of orange juice. Here's your, do you want wine? No, you don't want wine. Whatever the case may be. But in the kingdom, it is messy and it is gritty and it is marvelous. Why? Because our mandate is to step into something that is beyond our own capacity. We are, when we show up on the scene like Jesus did, people should have demons cast out and they should be left whole. So it's interesting, we see this in Acts 8, I think it is, where Philip was, you know, they were out there casting out demons and stuff, and, and the Bible says later on in that, it says, many demons possessed people were set free, delivered, and evil spirits came out of them with a loud scream and, sh and shrieks. Like, that could be Starbucks, right? And you? People screaming because you're casting out demons at Starbucks. And many who were lame and paralyzed were also healed. And hear this, it says this, this resulted in uncontainable joy filling the city. So what happens when the kingdom of God comes upon someone, you bring it, it's left, people are left with joy and peace. That is a result of the kingdom of God. Now I have a suspicion that we are timid about this in the body of Christ, number one, because we ourselves are bound, and number two, because we're afraid. But we're coming into a time where God says he needs you. He need, that's why you're here. We, are the, we represent the hope of the nations. We are the light of the world. In fact, the Bible says if we lose our saltiness, what, what, why are we here? It's a false finish line in our Christianity to intentionally encounter people. It's like the guy at the office that says to you, oh, I've been suffering with like... Um, an addiction to porn, and you're like, oh, okay, you know, I beat my wife, yeah, you do, you know, um, I'm just really dealing, your neighbor Sally tells you, you know, I've been dealing with depression, oh man, I feel so bad for you. As believers, we've got to be able to give more than that. Like, that's our mandate. We're citizens of another, like, do you, do you understand? So that's a heart of God issue. We know it as believers, but we got to be moved with compassion. We got to say, what are we arguing about? What are we talking about? Bring them here. The kingdom of God has come upon you 
when people are, when he says, cast out demons, raise the dead, freely receive, freely you give. A lady had come to me just recently, um, a friend of ours, who said to me, she said, you know, um, there's somebody that I'm in contact with. Um, her daughter is really, really sick. She's in a psych ward. Um, and she actually, there's some natural stuff, but she really is manifesting a demon. This person said to me, do you know anybody that would go there and, you know, that specializes in, in you know, ministering to people with demonic spirits? Do you think you can help out? And I was like, at first I was like, I don't know, man, this is going to be interesting. To, and I thought, this is what, this is, I've been born for such a time as this. Like if I don't lean in in those moments, who, who else is going? Like people need Jesus. Right? So in those moments, we've got to deal with all our ifs. We also got to deal with all our excuses. And we've got to say, God, you and me, we can figure this out. I think that's a simple prayer, right? That's why I say to God, God, you and me are going to figure this out. I used to say, God, you fig- this is your problem. Do your problem, God. And he says, no, no, but I'm with you. We're going to work this out together. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. But we as believers have to walk in this. So, what, so I ask you this. If your atmosphere at work and in different places in your, your close relationships doesn't contain an atmosphere of joy, there's probably some freedom issues that need to be dealt with that the Lord's positioning you in to say, hey, could you bring an answer to this? Can you help set the captive So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the hospital. I said, give me the information. I'll go. Am I a little bit concerned and a little bit afraid, a little bit whatever? But yeah, uh, you know, I, uh, yeah, maybe. But I just say, God, help my little faith. Because your heart is for these ones. A um, couple more and I'm done. Is an atmosphere of hospitality. How well do you host God? We get to invite God through our lives into impossible, critical situations if we host the presence of God. What does that mean? That means wherever you go, people should be like, what is it about you? Every time I'm around you, I feel peace. Yeah, because that's the prince of peace. Him and I are friends. How do you host God? And then how do you host other people? Alpha, this organization, um, global organization, I was with them in, in Europe, um, in England, and they host people so well. And the Lord said this to me when I was thinking about how they host, because I love hospitality. I love to lay a good spread. I love to have people feel like they're seen. The Lord said this to me. He said, hosting people well tells the unbeliever that there is a God that would roll out the red carpet for them. Most people don't think well of themselves. They present this, but they really feel host people well. It's an atmosphere, an environment of the kingdom. People begin to see themselves differently. How do I know this? There's actually studies that say that when you, when you, when neighborhoods go, you know, when you're dealing with neighborhoods that are broken down, rat infested, all that kind of stuff, it actually affects how people view themselves. When people are surrounded by beauty, they come up higher in how they see themselves. So we as a believer, it don't matter where you live, I'm going to make you feel like a million dollars. That's our job. I'm going to show up, I'm going to lay a spread for you. And sometimes the gospel is preached in how you treat people. How they, you make them feel when they're with you. So the question is, how does God show up through me in my life? How can I facilitate God's heart for this individual? A couple more and we're done here. Another kingdom atmosphere. I believe we're coming into a season of unusual spiritual activity. I feel like the Lord keeps talking to me about preparing for signs and wonders. And why do I say, why do I say this to you? Because we talked about it yesterday at the women's event that we have to throw down the idol of always having to understand. Because if we always have to understand, then when signs and wonders come, you're going to be like, that's not God. The voice of the critic will rise. And the voice of the critic will partner with the accuser of the brethren against the body of Christ. So then you'll be like, yeah, they just, they're this, they're weird, they're this, they're this. No, no, no. God is on the move. We saw that in Asbury. I was in England and I sat at a table with one of the professors that was in Asbury. Uh, They flew in some of the students that were in Asbury. And I kid you not, I sat there and I watched these Gen Zs talk about what God was doing. And I felt tremendous spiritual activity in the room. I was like, I have not felt, what is that? And they can't put it on. They're not putting it on. What are they putting on? 
They just showed up, God showed up and God met them. Unusual spiritual activity. We will stand out, people. You as a believer, you were designed to stand out. You were designed to be unusual, not weird. Not weird, Vic, not weird. We're not weird people. Because you know, weird people, people don't want to be around weird people. But we were designed to be unusual, a sign and a wonder. And God is about to make his body a sign and a wonder. Because there are people that need him. Like there's a kingdom that needs to be, ooh, let's bring it into the business world. God wants to work through you with unusual signs and wonders so that business people look and say, how did you secure that deal? Those numbers are not normal numbers. Yeah, I have the, I have the advantage. You have, you have what? You, you, you know, are you doing insider trade? Like what, what's happening? No, 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 I just know the king of kings. What? How many people know that God is elevating, promoting, opening doors rapidly right now? It's unusual. How did you get in that role? You don't even, you're not even qualified for that. Sign. God's on the move. Last thing. Last thing is the Lord is pouring out unusual wisdom. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 to 19. Let no one deceive himself. Don't be deceived. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him be a fool that he may become wise. Isn't that weird? If you think you're wise in this age, become a fool. Then you'll become wise. For the wisdom of the world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. The kingdom wisdom and way, once again, we're talking about the environment, the atmosphere, all, it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always make sense. Psalm 127 verse two says this, it's really senseless to work so hard from the early morning to late at night, toiling to make a living for fear of not having enough. God can provide for his lovers even while they're sleeping. That don't make sense. Does that make sense to you? That don't make sense to me? What makes sense to me is I gotta work. You don't work, you don't eat. But the Bible says in Proverbs, or in, in Psalms, that God can even provide for you while you're sleeping. Does it make sense? I was, and I'll close with this story. Yeah, I'll close with this story. I have so much more, but I'll close with this story. Um, I, was in, I was in England, and I was, uh, one of the speakers in England that we were around was a, um, a guy by the name of Anthony, what's his last name? Oh, Anthony Tan. And he's a business guy. In fact, he owns a business. It's a rideshare company that does a bunch of other stuff that is the biggest rideshare company in all of Asia. They beat out Uber. The guy, he, I think he bought Uber's portion in Asia. Asia, Asia, one of the biggest areas of population globally. And this guy's a believer. And he was there, his wife was there, and they were sharing. And his, his company's called Grab. And they, um, he was at Harvard, I think it was Harvard, one of the Ivy League schools in America. And he was... Um, he was submitting a job proposition, like this is what I'm gonna do, like a proposal of what he wanted to do to a Harvard business professor, smart mind, top minds globally. And they were all saying to him, no, it can't be done. Don't do it, you're gonna lose money, investors will not give into it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And he went home, I think this is how the story goes, he went home and he was like, oh man, he felt defeated about it. And the Lord said this to him, don't surrender to the experts, surrender to me. Everybody said he couldn't do it. The smartest minds in the world said he couldn't do it. This guy is, owns the biggest rideshare company, bought out Uber in all of Asia. I sat there and I listened to this man and all of us gasped because once again, the wisdom of this world can't compare to the wisdom of God. So here's the thing we have to understand. If you think Harvard has better wisdom than God, we have a problem, body of Christ. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like think, God of the universe, Harvard expert. Although we platform Harvard experts higher than God of the universe. We're coming into a time of unusual wisdom. So what does this mean in the context of the kingdom? It means you've got to know the ways of God by reading the word. You know, need to discern the heart of God in a situation and you need to step out. I'll close with this. So once again, anything is possible, everything is possible. Freedom is gonna come to the forefront of how we move. Unusual spiritual activity that your mind's gonna say, I don't get it, but God's in it. Unusual wisdom to execute things that 
put you at the top of the list with the solution. But here's what you are responsible for. You have the power to choose to lean in or not. And I call this, somebody and I were talking about this just recently, the discipline of the spring. What does that mean? That means this is a season, body of Christ, citizens of the kingdom of God, where you've got to get disciplined in what the Lord asks you to do. Obedience is the momentum of the kingdom. You obey, you move forward. You spring forward. What does that mean? If God says, read your Bible, read your Bible. For me, the Lord brought me back to an actual Bible because I had an app and I was going through apps for amazing digital world. But I was reading my Bible, I was getting push notifications and I was going, the Lord said to me, I'm not another app. I was like, well, I know that. And he's like, well, no, because you're filing through your app as you're, as you're trying to talk to me. So I had to go back to this. I had to go back to underlining. My daughter said, mom, do people even underline in their Bibles? I was like, yes, we do. This old school. Thank you. Not old school. I'm, I'm not pointing at you saying old school. I'm just saying, that's how I learned. That's how I meditated on the word. So you got to feed your spirit. You got to deal with the things that are holding you down. Your mind you got to renew your mind. How does God see it? How does God feel about it? Those are the two things you should be asking in every situation. How do you see this? How do you feel about this? And then what you hear has to be rooted in the, it has to be rooted in the word. My job this morning was to provoke something in you that moves you from mediocre Christian, I think we're all good club, to being a kingdom citizen where you begin to leave legacy that lives longer than your life in this world. It may have come a little bit sharp, but it's not meant to be sharp. It's just meant to be godly. I just feel like, I just feel like God is like, I'll, I'll back your wise decision. You want to you open up a, a soup kitchen for the homeless? That's great because how you treat the least of me matters. Least of these matters. You, you, you know, there's that scripture that says, you called me, he says, you called me, you did this, you did this. And they said, how did we do that when you fed these ones? You know, it doesn't always just translate into mercy. It translates into business. Some of you are positioned because of what God wants to do in a business. How is that possible? No, no, God will position you in a business to advance something globally. But I think part of us just think really small. Like I just got to pay my bills and I want my kids that are, that are acting crazy to act straight. <laughs> And that's all we think about. But what is your request? What is your dream? And what's going on in your imagination? Grown people, you know, we got to become like kids. So Father, I pray this morning. I pray, God, that you would take us on an adventure journey. That every time we're confronted with something that makes us feel a little bit like, ah, we ask you, what are you saying over this? How do you feel about this? And we lean in to execute it. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of fear and timidity, intimidation that would say, don't rise up higher. The thing that sits in Canadian culture that says, don't be loud, just stay like everybody else. Father, I pray for strength to come to those that wait upon you and those that love you. May we rise up like a flower in the springtime. Let us spring forward in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wasn't that a good word today? Amen. All right. Well, I just have a few closing things to remind you of, then we're going to dismiss and let you on with your day because there's lots of amazing things that are going to be happening. Once again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms. As you go today, there's a special gift for you. There, We have the flower wall, and uh, please, but we do, it's going to be torn down by 2 p.m., so you got about half an hour to take photos if you want to take photos. You're good, but we just wanted to make sure someone doesn't miss out because they were just kind of hanging around and waiting. And we also have cupcakes for everyone, so please swing by the cafe, grab a cup cake on your way out. We want to give a special welcome to any first time guests with us. If this is your first time. Thank you for joining us. It was good to have you today. On your way out, there's a connect table in the lobby. We would love to meet you, get to know you, and just thank you for being here with us. We actually have a gift for you as well. No strings attached to say thank you for joining us. So that is in the lobby. Um, as if you guys want to put up the giving information, as always, every week, thank you so much for your ongoing generosity. I know people so 
now online throughout the week. But thank you for your giving. Thank you for your sowing. I want to remind you as well, this is Legacy Month. And so we're going to be talking more about it even next week. We have our Legacy Offering coming up on Sunday, June 11th. So there's lots of great things that are happening there. And just for all the things going on here at Toronto State Church, we want to encourage you. There's so many things happening. You can go to our website and see all the details in the calendar, but also get on our mailing list because we send out a weekly update that will tell you everything that's happening in TCC. Let's close in prayer, and then we're going to get everyone out of here to have a great day. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Thank you for this word today. Thank you for the challenge that we've received, the encouragement that we've received. Father, thank you that we're not just going to be hearers of the word, but we're going to be doers. Father, we thank you for just all the seed that is being sown as people give, as people sow. Father, we're so excited for that, and we're thankful for all you're doing. Lord, we pray again a blessing over all the moms. Thank you for a great day of celebrating them. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen, amen. All right, well, God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you for being here. And uh, once again, moms, have a great day. We love you. God bless.